You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always, listening on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course, now on Spotify. Fantastic stuff today with my man, John Lucas Duffy, NBA free agency special episode of the Sports Blog New York podcast. Duff, what up, dog? What up, what up, Petey? Dude, we had a lot of fun. We talked about a ton of stuff. There was things breaking as we were recording. So right now, 10, 10 p.m., Sunday night, uh, while we were recording from like 8 to 10, things were happening. Woj bombs were flying. It was a ton of fun. We talk about everything from KD, Kyrie, Nets, obviously Nets, Knicks stuff, Lakers stuff, uh, Jimmy Butler getting signed and traded during the podcast was wild. The Sixers uh, making moves, getting Al Horford, which is wild so many great things that duff and i talk about that you can obviously hear on the sports blog new york podcast but don't forget about our friends over at team left jab team left jab radio network google that or go to stitcher or blog talk radio check out team left jab radio network and check out our podcast there as well duff how much fun did you just have recording this podcast i had some great fun mainly because the sixers got al Horf. oh don't make and, it don't and- make it about that come on I mean, look, I'm just going to be straight with you. That's that's what it was. You'll you'll hear a clear energy shift <laughs> in this podcast there as some, soon as that happens. There were some yelps. I went from being really miserable that I wasn't going to get Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker to being okay with possibly getting Josh Richardson, and I need Goran Dragic. I don't want James Johnson. I need Goran Dragic. Okay. So we don't know exactly what happened with the Butler signing trade yet. Obviously, we uh, talked about what we want to happen during the show. Kawhi Leonard, no news yet, but we did talk about the whole situation. I thought some really interesting stuff uh, from both of us there. Good job, us. Um, I also think that Duffy has changed. You now called the Sixers we and I needed to get this. And, man, you, you've changed, bro. You, I mean, I know you like the Sixers and all, but you now you're saying we and I? That's crazy. It's just easier. Fine. I just want good things for the Sixers. Fine, fine, fine. We talked about the Pelicans. We talked about the Mavs. We talked... Honestly, let's say we talked mostly about the Nets, Knicks, Lakers, uh, you know, Warriors, Sixers, <laughs> Celtics. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff, awesome stuff. D'Angelo Russell, Kemba Walker. It was it was so much fun. And by the time this podcast gets out on Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever it may be, by the time you listen to it, there's obviously going to be more things that happen. So bear with us and stay tuned with us at my Twitter, at Pete Kennedy with two Ys, and also at SportBlogNYC, where we'll, we'll talk more about it. Maybe we'll do a podcast later in the week again to touch on some more things. But for now, we hit on all the things we possibly could know. We broke it all down. We hypothesized, we strategized, and we thought of all sorts of good stuff in regards to NBA free agency. So hopefully you enjoy this. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Drop some stars on what you think about free agency, about the Knicks not getting the big guys, but maybe making some okay decisions elsewhere. If you if you may feel that way, we talk about it. So John Lucas Duffy, any last words to these listeners here before we start the show? Enjoy. Simple as that. Here we go, NBA free agency special. John Lucas Duffy with me on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Kevin Durant to the Nets, as you know. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, shout out to Biggie, I guess, from Brooklyn stuff there. But 
It's happened. Kevin Durant has chosen the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving has chosen the Brooklyn Nets. The Warriors, the Knicks, the Clippers, the Lakers, left with many question marks that I'm sure will be answered over the next few days or week or so. But so much stuff has gone down. And it's, what, 8.36 Eastern time when I hit record for this podcast. So more things are going to be happening during this pod that we will know about. Maybe if we if we catch it, we're going to miss some stuff, more stuff happening as we move on tomorrow and the next day. But Duff, free agency 2019 is the real deal. What's going on? It didn't disappoint, but I feel like it's gone fairly chalked thus far. I'm not sure what the surprises have been. Maybe... Maybe the biggest surprise I would say is uh, the Bucks letting Brogdon walk and just trade, not letting him walk, but at least they're getting a couple assets back to sign and trade to the Pacers. And I mean, another seemingly not that important, but pretty important or just shocking thing that happened is JJ Redick to the Pelicans. Like JJ Redick is a veteran who for all intents and purposes would be assumed to want to win a ring. Uh, but he looks to be now taking on that, I am a vet who can still play, who deserves a good bag of money, uh, and I'm going to play with these young guys and a couple, you know, Drew Holiday's still there, a couple older guys, and we might be a sneaky good team, but I am happy to bring these young guys under my wing and show them what it's like to be a pro and help them get there. That's interesting. Um, the, yeah, obviously, that was a surprising cash grab to me because this is a dude who's never missed the playoffs in his NBA career. Not no, one single never. year has he missed the playoffs. Dude, that is that is interesting. All right, well, let, before we start going on tangents here and start talking about all sorts of stuff. Whoa, wait, are you telling me that J.J. Redick was not the marquee free agent? Well, we, we're we're leading. It's our second lead. It's our second lead, right? We got We got to go all with right. the. We got. We got to go with Bogdanovich to the Jazz first. Uh, yeah, either that or um, Rodney Hood staying in Portland. Right. Yeah, we had a toss up. We had a big debate before we started recording about which is the lead <laughs> story here. You know, because there's so many things happening. I couldn't not talk about Rodney Hood or like Harrison Barnes staying with the Kings. <laughs> It's crazy, but there's so much money being thrown around right now. And like I said, before we get too far off uh, off kilter here, let's circle back. All right. Before we actually break down this KD Kyrie stuff, there's probably Knicks fans listening to this podcast right now who may have no hair left on their head because they ripped it all out. No more tears left to cry because they cried them all out. I don't know exactly how to feel as a Knicks fan right now. All I know is as an NBA fan, as a guy talking to you on this podcast, Duff. There's more stuff to fry. So we're, we're going to get to the Knicks in the crux of this KD conversation here. We're going to get to the Lakers, the Warriors, the Clippers, also the Bucks with keeping specific guys like Lopez Middleton Hill, not Brogdon, Scary Terry, Kemba to Boston, J.J. Redick, as we mentioned, Julius Randle, the best of the rest, Kawhi Leonard, Al Horford, D'Angelo Russell. There's so many moving parts here. So let's just go first to the big story, all joking aside. Kevin Durant announces before 6 o'clock that he's going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Woj kind of steals his thunder with his boardroom Instagram. That was great. But it happened, Duff. Kevin Durant is a Brooklyn Net, okay? Kyrie Irving is about to be a Brooklyn Net. All the months, the year, year and a half of us talking about this year of free agency for Kevin Durant, for Kawhi Leonard— where are they going to go? Are they going to L.A.? Are they going to New York? KD and Kyrie. How many photoshopped images of KD and Kyrie have we seen in a Knicks uniform? And they are across. Too many to count. Oh, my God. Way too many to count. And now they are across the pond, across the water. In Brooklyn, they're going to be taking their talents to Barclays. So, Duff, 
Brooklyn Nets get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. What say you? I I say I kind of I kind of saw this coming a few months back. I was actually talking to one of our one of our friends Eddie Gapone, who actually is a Nets fan, and he's like, "Duff, just like what what hope do we have? Like I know we're good now, but are we ever going to be great? Like what what's going on?" And I was just like, "Ed, I think you got a real shot at Kevin Durant." He's like, "What? Really? Like how?" I said, "I don't I can't think of a better situation for him to be in. Like if he stays in Golden State, People still hate him. He wants to obviously get away from that. And then if he goes to the Knicks, they don't have like an actual good team there. It's just the Knicks, and they have cap space, and maybe they sign guys, and maybe they don't. The the Clippers, like they're in LA. You're not going to be playing with LeBron, but you'll still be in his shadow because you'll be playing on the second best team, uh, or not second most popular team in LA, and you'll have the most popular player on the planet. Uh, just in the same arena as you. And then if you go to Brooklyn, you can kind of just do your KD thing, like be slightly out of the center of attention, but still be in a major market. And you have a playoff-ready team waiting for you when you get there. Now, unfortunately, he's not going to actually get there for another year. But when he when he does get there, they will be ready for him. And hopefully he'll be ready for them. And his injury will obviously come up as we continue to talk about this after the Knicks made a comment shortly after the announcement of signing with the Nets, the Knicks mentioned how they may have not been fully prepared to even offer Kevin Durant the full max, which is driving Knicks fans absolutely off their which, rocker. Like, all right, all right. How does that leak? How do you it, let that, that happen? Doesn't, I don't, I don't that understand. Doesn't leak. Like, why are you shooting yourself in the head? It's, you know, uh, you know what? It's one of two things. One, it's possibly just true. They were nervous about the injury. They didn't want to do the same old Knicks move of getting stars after they're injured or after their prime, which we all know the Knicks have done. This is a fair debate, right? Like, this is a thing that people have debated over the past couple weeks since the injury. No, no it's not but, fair, though, because wait, 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 you know, like on, Kevin Durant is a, is a far cry off from... Mc- no, Tony no. McDice, Amari Stoudemire, Andrea Bonyarni, like he's of not course. those dudes. I'm not really yes, of course, of course, of course. But to say that you have 100% confidence that Kevin Durant's going to become an all-star, all-NBA player again is probably a stretch, right? 100% com- I'm saying 100 without a doubt confidence he becomes an all-NBA player again. It's very possible. I really hope he does become that guy again because we deserve to see him continue this amazing career. The Knicks now, they either don't believe he can be that guy again, which is possible but weird, but the fact that they put it out there is basically to cover their own butts to say, oh, you know, he didn't just not choose us. We didn't even fully want him. You know, that's a, that's more of a thing like, yeah, she broke up with me, but, you know, it was kind of mutual. That's what that is. You know what I mean? Like That's, that's what, still not a good enough excuse. you got to save not saying, faith. Oh, I'm not saying it's a good excuse. I'm saying that's what they did. The Knicks don't get these things right. They just don't. But there is a non-zero chance where they could come out on the right side of this. I'm just saying, I, let me ask you this. After Kevin Durant's injury, there seemed to be some question, like, do you still offer them the max? And then for some reason, basically 99% of people decided to say, yes, offer him the max. And I completely agree with that. I would offer him the max myself, and I want to be clear about that. If I was the Knicks, I would do so. But why did it go from... Um, should we offer the max to him? Like, is it a question mark? To basically 99% of the universe saying, just offer him the max. Is there no room for, for question here? Obviously, I'm not saying the Knicks did anything right or good here. But is there some sort of 
non-zero chance that that could be the right idea? No, because as even though we've seen this injury happen and no one's truly been able to come back for it except for Dominique Wilkins in the 80s, which I don't remember because I wasn't born. But this is not DeMarcus Cousins getting an Achilles injuries. It's not Dominique getting an Achilles. It's not Kobe Bryant when he's like 37-year-olds getting his Achilles. This is Kevin Durant in the thick of his prime, like a top 10 basketball player all time has this injury. Fine. It's a gruesome injury, but everyone has the expectation now because of his, his status in not only in the league today, but in just the history of the league, he's going to take his time to come back. No one's going to rush him. Everyone understands going into it that the first year of the contract is just going to be a watch, but then you get him on the books for the next three or four years, depending on the team. You have to go for that guy in any situation. This is a star's league. In any situation you can sign him, no matter the circumstances, you have to go and do it. Every time, especially when you're trying, if you're the Knicks, you're just trying to build faith with your franchise and with your with your fan base and with the rest of the league just to give yourself some credibility. Like The Knicks are a joke. They've been a joke my whole life. They've been a joke your whole life, except for when we were like three and four years old. And then They've a, been yeah. a joke. And then a year and a half. After that, they like in like the 2012 range, they had a year and a half of goodness. No, because it still did like to me, that still didn't matter because I get it. Knicks fans were like super excited. All right, th- this is when me being like outsider perspective on the Knicks, I didn't that didn't matter to me because I was not a fan of Carmelo. I thought the way he came over was such bullshit. You should just this is not Anthony Davis where he still got like years on his contract, he had like three months. Just wait three months and he would have been a Nick, but he made him cripple the franchise, just cripple the roster just to add him now because he wanted to keep his bird right so they could give him a max. I know. I, I get it. I get that. And I don't want to make this a Carmelo Anthony thing because there's a lot to say about Carmelo Anthony saying he, even though he did that in a bad way, hurting the team, asking for a trade, he is one of the few players who has taken on the burden of trying to lead the Knicks to wins. And... While he was here, obviously not getting here with that trade that sent so many good role players away, while he was here, he was always present, always responsible, taking uh, you know, taking the heat from the media why Phil Jackson sat there and didn't say a word for two and a half years. Like Carmelo Anthony has some some good values in that sense and why some Nick fans still appreciate yeah, him. Except for when but one other player started to play well and then he had him kicked off the fucking team. Like I got Sanity, it. I got it. I got he, it. He, he blew that up. Like dude, sure. I don't understand why you continue to be a Carmelo Anthony apologist. I'm, I'm, I, I'll never get it. There's more to it than just that. I think it's more there nuanced. There is nothing more to it. it not, you're making it way too complicated. I'm not. I'm really not. But I understand that you are not inside the Knicks fan circle, and it's good. I prefer you not to be because we can get a little fuzzy on this stuff. I think with 95% of things in regards to the NBA, I'm very unbiased. 4%'s the Knicks, and 1%'s James Harden, and that's like— that's fair. I get it. I accept that about myself. I try to not be biased about the Knicks, but there are certain things that I can't quite get over, and it's probably because I've been a fan of this team since I'm a child. Anyways, we need to stop talking about the Knicks for a second because the Brooklyn Nets just got these freaking awesome players, and it is important to talk about it in relation to the Knicks because how close it is, how the Knicks strike out, and the team across the pond who had, quote, from everybody, no specific person, they were on the losing end of one of the worst trades of all time, now sit with better odds to win a championship than the team that won the worst trade of all time. So the Brooklyn Nets have made great strides building a culture 
with the great coaching system, great GM work, great young players, great role players, and now they have star power, dude. How legit is this Nets team? They're very legit. Uh, maybe maybe not this year, but the next year. Um, this year where I see them falling, they won 42 games last year. 42 and 40 was the record. I could see them being a 50-win team. Now, the Celtics had Kyrie on the team last year, and they were supposed to win 60 games, and they didn't even get to 50. So who the fuck knows what's going to happen, especially with that guy on your team. He's just a weird dude. There's no other way to put it. It's just a strange thing, what he's doing. Um, but I think everyone else, this is not like the Celtics in the fact that, you know, you have all these young high draft picks on the rise or guys who had a lot of responsibility. Now you're asking them to take a back seat. No, this is everyone on that team is really clear on what their role is. And I don't think anyone's going to have to take a back seat, uh, or, or have a drastic change to what their role was the season prior. Like Jared Allen is still going to be your number one center over, uh, um, DeAndre Jordan, right? You you m- removed D'Angelo Russell, so now you put in Kyrie Irving. That's fine. Spencer Dinwiddie's still going to come off the bench. Karis LeVert is still going to be the number two offensive option. Like Joe Harris is still going to space the floor. Like nothing really is changing in the DNA of that team. You're just basically substituting Kyrie Irving for D'Angelo Russell. What's that going to mean? I'm not sure because there was a lot of stuff that went on with the Celtics last year. Everyone wants to put it on Kyrie Irving because he's the one who's leaving. So that's the easiest way to do it. Just make him the scapegoat. And then everyone's hoping you don't pay attention. Hey, you know, Jason Tatum doesn't get to the foul line and he takes too many long range twos. Jalen Brown is really upset about his role on the team. Terry Rozier has been very outspoken about going from, you know, the passenger seat to the trunk or Brad Stevens force feeding minutes and shots to Gordon Hayward. Don't pay any attention to that over here. It was all Kyrie and now he's gone. Right, so we'll see how much of it actually was him, and how how much was just a combination of the perfect storm of all these little things going the wrong way. It's a great, great breakdown right there, Duff. That was awesome. Um, a couple of things I want to add because I think the Celtics' uh, disposition or juxtaposition, I guess, is really important to talk about here because of the Kyrie Irving, and then obviously because of the trade that happened with Garnett and Pierce back in the day. Let's think about this Nets team. You talked about Scary Terry. You talked about Kyrie not meshing with those guys there. So Kyrie's going to be in a new place. We know how it is when you go to a new job or a new team or whatever. Your first six months, your first year, you're going to be on best behavior, right? So Kyrie's going to be on best behavior. He's going to try to win some of these guys over, be a, a good guy. He, I'm sure he, he knows about the chirping that's been going on about his time in Boston. He's obviously aware of that stuff. So the pieces now around, uh, about, around Kyrie are different to the ones in Boston for the exact reason that you just said. I want to highlight those pieces. You said they know their role. Another great one right there is Spencer Dinwiddie. He is now he's off of the bench. He wants to be sixth man of the year right now. Obviously, he wants to be a starting point guard. He wants to be the best player. He thinks he's the best player when he's on the court, but he knows he's a sixth man. He's not stupid. He's aware of that. He's been tweeting and chirping people on Twitter about how the Nets are going to make a splash, and they did. So the difference between Dinwiddie and Rozier as a basketball player, probably not that different. They can both handle the ball, can shoot off the dribble, make plays, make impacts. Um, obviously not. I would I would take the, Dinwiddie over Rozier. Rozier so has defense. So yeah, I would too. But the, the main difference here is Dinwiddie now knows Kyrie is the starting point guard. When I come in, I'm going to be on fire and just try to make differences off the bench. And that's huge. Karis Levert now he has a year to be the number two behind Kyrie as a scoring option. Then, looking forward to when Kevin Durant comes back, if Karis Levert is a 20 point scorer, will he be? 
next year when Durant's back? Maybe not. But now you have a guy who's your number three option who may be an all-star. He may be a borderline all-star. And this team now starts to come together minus ego, minus the fact that uh, you know Tatum, Brown, Rozier, Horford, um, Morris, Smart all need 12 shots seemingly, or at least they believe they need 12-plus shots a game. These guys are going to know. Joe Harris is going to be selective. He's going to make the right plays. This Nets team, supporting cast-wise, seems to have their things in right in the right order, which is something the Celtics didn't have last year. So they really do have a chance to be a 50-win team. I don't want to get too high right away because they are missing Kevin Durant still, but they have a really nice, complete, well-rounded team. Yeah, and I think to your point about Lavert, he might have to, in two years he might have to take that back seat to be the number three, to be the number three guy. But at a certain point, there's a difference between Terry Rozier and you know Jalen Brown, like Terry Rozier thinking he's better than Kyrie Irving when Kyrie Irving's out here saying all crazy shit, or you know Jalen Brown being like, uh, "Why is Hayward getting so many minutes and shots? Like I'm ready now. He's still working back." And then you have Lavert versus Kevin Durant, who's not going to be saying all types of crazy shit. Most likely, he I mean, as long as he's not doing it on Twitter, he's not going to do it to his teammates. Um, or he hasn't in the past. So there's no reason to expect it. So him taking that back seat, I think it, you know, me sitting here on my couch, you know, it's a lot different than him. But it seems like a very natural shift. It seems reasonable. Because he's Kevin Durant. I mean, we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. But at the very least, you'll have a number three guy with number two guy chops. Or someone who can carry the load through the first half of the season while Kevin Durant is getting his legs underneath him. Like, they can really, I think, ease him back into this and still hold decent position in the playoffs. Because they have Jared Allen under contract again the following season in 2021. They'll have to re-sign Levert. They'll they'll have Dinwiddie. They'll have Kuruks. They're going to have to see if they retain Joe Harris. But like after they that, matter. it gets pretty they, thin. But they still have the, sh- the young structure that they'll want. They definitely want to keep Joe Harris, by the way. These guys can just light it up, and he makes the right plays. He plays really hard. Uh, also, another thing to note with the Nets, Kyrie Irving is not known for playing 80 games a year. He has actually never played over 72. Um, his last six years or so, 67, 60, 72, 53, and then he was 75, 75, 59, 51. That's his whole career right there. So he's not playing 80 games, right? Is there another point guard in the league who you would want more to come in and start while Kyrie Irving is out than Spencer Dinwiddie? Like who is there another point guard out there that can jump into a starting point guard role and score 20 points a night and make plays down the stretch? I mean, we used to say Sean Livingston was like the prototypical best number two point guard in the league, right? Eh, and at best this point, is probably a good what? stretch, but that's okay. What? Who would you say? I mean, I just wouldn't say uh, he wasn't the first name that came to mind, but he was a great off-the-bench guy for sure. He was, yeah, he was great. Like, he was fine. I thought he was, like, the best coming off the bench because it seemed like he never missed to me. Or he never made the wrong play. <laughs> right. Obviously, he's not that guy anymore. Now, I'm ra- I'm trying to rack my brain here. I don't know who I would rather have as my number two point guard. I I mean, I, mean, I, I don't have anyone off the top of my head. I mean, Fred Van Vliet. Can when Kyle Lowry gets hurt, Fred Van Vliet can come in and and play starting minutes for twenty games. He probably he'll play a little better defense, but yeah. like that's the thing. Once you get deep in the playoffs, people just try harder. It's just a fact of what I know. Like you know, you should try that hard every night, never hold anything back. 
whatever. That's just not the reality of the situation. And when you're in the finals, you know, playing for a championship, you're going to play harder than, you know, in January. And so that's why Dinwiddie gets knocked on his defense. But that type of stuff doesn't matter as much until you actually get to the playoffs. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. That's just kind of what it is. And no, people sure. want to knock but, the NBA and the defense. Fine. Go ahead. No, but from but a team, that's just what it is. From a team that, you know, isn't expected to win 60 games, right? Like, they have, they have a lot of hype right now. They're not expected to win 60. They're, they're a team that's going to need to, you know, fight for a better seed. They're going to want to have home court advantage. So having those extra guys like Dinwiddie who can come in when somebody's hurt, when your star player's hurt, and make a real impact, it's huge for a team that needs to be a third seed instead of a sixth seed, you know? So that's where it comes yeah. in pretty big. Um, the Nets, obviously, are going to be well-talked about across sports well, media. Well, before, before we move on, I, I got a question for you. Yeah. So where, like, way too early here, but where do you think they'll they'll land in the in the East next season? At the end of the season, just not not necessarily their record. But right. you know what seed will they be? Because yeah. I think we're both saying this is going to be a playoff team. Especially. Oh yes, for sure. I mean, if they so, kept, if they ran it back and kept everybody, like if they ran it back, they were a playoff team. They yeah. essentially got better by adding. Yeah, Car- if Levert right. was just healthy all season. They right? would so, they would have been a higher seed for sure. Yeah. So I yeah. think we obviously don't know about Kawhi. We obviously don't know about Jimmy Butler. Let's say we can guarantee the Bucks are above them. I will guarantee the Sixers are a better team than them. Because even they're not going to bring back Butler. I'm not going to guarantee. I won't guarantee anyone except the Bucks. Okay, but I'll, or so I'll I'll say from from my end, I say Bucks Sixers are the clear teams ahead of them, and then there's a mishmash of Nets Celtics, uh, Pacers, and Raptors. Obviously, Kawhi dependent. Um, the Raptors are going to be a good regular season team with or without Kawhi, in my opinion, and those are the teams there that really have a chance to make a splash and make those top four seeds, top five seeds. I see the Nets right there with the Pacers uh, again in, in the Eastern Conference. I would say I, I would have the Bucks number one again. Not knowing what to do with Kawhi means I don't know what to do with the Raptors because uh, the Kawhi-less Raptors are, I don't think they're a top four team unless Pascal Siakam makes a big jump, which he might, but you know can't see that at this point. Uh, and then Sixers, I would also put it number two. And then I would say, hmm. I think yeah, I, I think it's just like a three-team f- flex with right. the Celtics, Pacers, and Nets. Like, I'm not sure what to do with that. Because well, I actually think, I would actually, off, you know, sight unseen, I would think that the Celtics, as long as they get a solid center, I think they're going to be the number three team in the in the East and we, uh, we know because, we know what Brad Stevens can do when we when he has guys who buy in, right? Does, yes. Does Jalen Brown exactly. take another step? Does Tatum become rookie Tatum, which is a weird thing to say? Does he become yeah. more rookie playoff Tatum? Well, they just had too many guys Tatum? last year. Like they they honestly right. needed to make some type of two for one, three for one trade last year. Obviously, Anthony Davis would have been ideal, but because of the that weird you know cap rule where they couldn't have two guys on the same exception between him and Kyrie, whatever, uh, they weren't able to do that for the guy they wanted. So. Now at this point, I mean, I I don't know. You, yeah. They just hope that you know Kemba buys in, which I think there's no reason to think he won't. Right. And Gordon Hayward just kind of takes that next step forward. But I still think they might have one too many wings. I mean, I think they could just you know forget about shooting guard, whatever. We'll play two at a time. But then who takes the back seat if that person ends up if that person ends up being Jalen Brown? Like I could see him getting traded next season. We have a lot to talk about. Sports Blog New York podcast, so, free agency so special. We're actually going to use this segue here to talk about the Celtics and talk about the Pacers because they made some good, nice moves and have guys coming back from injury. But quick Woj Bomb announcement. 
905 Eastern Time. Miami finalizing a sign-and-trade with the Philadelphia 76ers for Jimmy Butler. No, you don't. Where is that? Adrian Wojnarowski. Ever heard of him? I'm on his page right now. Adrian Wojnarowski. Ever heard of him? Miami finalizing sign-and-trade with Philadelphia to acquire Jimmy Butler. I had to refresh. Refresh it, bro. We got things happening out here. Oh, you, you need no. your you need your no, wojifications. Uh, you need uh, your wojifications on Duff. Turn on your wojifications. What? Uh, if there was gonna be a sign and trade, I really wanted it to be with the Rockets. Me too. But Josh as a Sixers as a Sixers fan, like but also Josh Richardson real. coming back. You know, nice little player. Yeah, but who else? I don't know, what? man. It's just happening. We're talking it live. Let's switch here. it up. Let's go to this. Fuck the Pacers and the Celtics. Who cares? What? All right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. fine. We both had we we both had the Sixers ranked ahead of those teams. So let's you know let's just go uh, hierarchically here or whatever however you say. Let's say this. Two things. There's two sides of this stone stone here, right? Jimmy Butler, for all intents and purposes, was the leader and best player in crunch time on the Sixers last playoffs. Yep. Fair? No qualms? Fair. Fair. For some reason, two teams in a row, possibly three teams if you count Chicago, where Jimmy Butler was the clear-cut best player come playoff time for three teams in a row, the Sixers, the Timberwolves, and the Bulls. None of them wanted to make sure they kept him around. Which is so weird. Like, even as personally I was never a big Jimmy Butler fan, even like when when the Timberwolves made the trade for him with the Bulls, like I was very much on record that this was bad for the Wolves, and it turned out to be not good for the Wolves because they that, didn't what, retain him and they just ended up that was their own fault. Giving away the ass, what? That was their own fault because they could have retained him if they just offered him the max and they did not, and that hurt his well, feelings and he blew him up. Yeah, yeah, so, but like, absolutely right. In, and that in, turned in out to be year, the wrong move. Absolutely. In one year, he made them a playoff team and he left, and they were not. A very straightforward answer here for me. Like I get it. Timberwolves at the end did not win the Jimmy Butler trade, but if they played their cards more properly, we may look at them as a team that is consistently in the Western Conference playoffs. Without him, we know they are not. All right, so we here's the number one thing we know about this deal with the Sixers and the Heat. If what if this actually goes down, and Woj has never lied to me before, so I doubt he's going to start now. Woj and Shams Rich, have it, by the way. Rich Richardson's Rich, sorry Richardson is going to be the centerpiece of this deal for the Sixers, what they want to get back. Who's the who's the second player if you're the Sixers? Who, I think it's who gonna else be, do you want to make this deal work? So it's, you're going to have to get somewhere near $30 million. I don't know. We're going to find out, but it's going to be picks as well. Yeah, but you got to you got to make the money work, right? So he's going to get 30 mil or 35, you know, somewhere in that in that range. So who do you think? So I'll read you I'll read you who they have on the books. Whiteside, obviously, that's not going to be it. Ryan Anderson, that's not going to be it. It's not going to be Kelly Olenek. It's not going to be Deion Waiters. It's not going to be Justice Winslow. And I don't think they're going to trade Bam Adebayo. Nope. But actually, he might be a throw-in on this. No, no way. Um, I think they like Bam. What? I think they like Bam too we, much. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think that's what the Sixers should be asking for. Oh, um, snap. Oh, snap. I know this is not great podcasting because people listening to this already know these things. Al Horford. Al Horford, four-year, 109 to the Sixers. What? What? Oh, my God. Yo, all right, so Brian. Oh, my God. Let's go, baby. All right, Brian Windhorst and Amin Al-Hassan talked about 
this before on NBA uh, the Jump free agency special, whatever. Uh, if you where are you seeing this? Where are you seeing this? Adrian Wojnarowski, John Lucas Duffy. Where else do you I think refreshed. I'm seeing it? Keep ref- get your Wojnifications on, Duff. I got to refresh twice. Get your damn Wojnifications on. So Amino Hassan was talking about this. You know, if you can't beat them, sign them, right? Al Horford has been the thorn in the side of the Sixers every time they play the Celtics, right? They now signed Al Horford. They traded away Jimmy Butler. They got in Josh Richardson, who is a nice role player. If he's your fifth starter, you're going to be fine with that. You know what I'm saying? If he's your fifth starter, you're going to be fine with that. If he's your best starter, like the Heat were, you're not a playoff team. He's their fifth starter now. Does Horford and Embiid start together? Horford back to the four? What the is going on, Duff? Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Embiid, Horford, Richardson. Another fantastic starting five for the Sixers. Wow. Holy shit. All right, time out. Time out. I need to rack my brain here. Okay, so right now, the starting lineup, uh, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. Do you not listen to me? I just said this. I just said these words. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I just need to rack my brain here because I was thinking about the Jimmy Butler trade too. So now here's what I want. Here's If I'm the Sixers, all right, I want Josh Richardson and I want Goran Dragic. Whoa, no, that's too much money, bro. No, it's not. It's it's twenty nine mil. Okay. That's under thirty. Like there, okay. that's what I'm saying. There might even need to be a throw in to make the money work. I don't know what Jimmy Butler's deal is going to be. It's going to be probably four years, one forty one, right? Some something like that. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so Dragic career thirty six percent three point shooter. If there's one thing we know, there needs to be a second guard who can shoot with Ben Simmons. That's the number one thing we know. Josh Richardson will space the floor. Tobias Harris will space the floor. Even Al Horford will space that floor. So the only other two people it could be, it could be Drogic or it could be James Johnson. Now, James Johnson is is a low 30s career three-point shooter. All right, it's got to be Drogic and it's got to be it's got to be Johnson. Er, uh, I'm sorry, Richardson. But I don't know then who do the who do the Heat play at point guard if you do that? Like Tyler Harrow. <laughs> I I don't know what they even do with that. <laughs> what are the Heat doing, man? Uh, well, I think they're just like, we, we'll we get the guy and we'll figure it out later. We don't know oh. what's happening with Dragic. Man, this is great. Okay. This, this is awesome stuff. Okay. Right, hold on. Let's regroup for a second here. Yeah. Sports Blog New York podcast. Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, literally shooting from the hip on NBA free agency with some of these Woj bombs flying at us. Just, you know, planes over my house. Woj Dropping bombs. fucking bombs on my face, Woj. Woj bomb heat-seeking missiles right into my bedroom. Uh, this is happening. <laughs> and we have more things to talk about, but this is obviously a big deal. The Sixers are tooling to become powerhouses in the Eastern Conference. And what I said like six minutes ago about how they're my second team, they are my second team with a chance of being the best team, dude. They were. They might be my first team now. They it's were, close. They now were it's mo- close. Listen, they were moments away. They were moments away from beating the Raptors last year, the team that eventually won the finals. The Sixers can smell the finals last year, right? Obviously, they would have been underdogs against the Bucks, but we know how that went. Whatever. Jimmy Butler left. The leader of their team left, but they got a new leader, Al Horford, a professional adult, and some some other good players. Like, this is, this is legit. I'm so fucking pumped right now. This is so good for my team and me. Ah, I'm happy, I'm happy for you, but this is wild. Okay. I wish Bab had internet for this. Oh my god! Poor Bab out there in the middle of the country, probably fishing right now, and it's uh, in Wyoming. In Wyoming, anyways. Whew, let's take a deep breath on the Sixers stuff for a second. Okay. Let's okay. T- so here's here's breath. my rationale. I have the Sixers going to the finals. Hear me out. <laughs> so you, how is how is Giannis going to dunk the ball even one time on Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Al Horford on the court at the same time? 
dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, there's some question marks in regards to shooting, number one, and two, how do Horford and Embiid play next to each other? That's a real question. Uh, Horford is a really smart guy. Embiid's a smart player who you think they figure it out, right? You think they figure it out by uh, season's end. Those are the two question marks. But when you're talking talent and you're talking straight up players in the NBA, the Sixers have four. Board, like They have three All-Stars. Well, two two real All-Stars, Horford and Harris. Hor- Horford's not really an All-Star anymore, um, but he's that type of player. And Harris is always borderline. He's never going to make it. Uh, they, are, they are talented. And they lost Jimmy Butler, who was, like I said, the best player on their team last year and somehow still looked like a top-two seed in the East. What's the question? No question. I don't know. I'm just make, I'm just saying stuff. Okay. I'm just saying stuff. Let's move off the Sixers for a second. We'll come back. We'll no, start- no, let's, no, no, no. We, we never fleshed out the trade for Butler. So yes, I guess, we did. You know what? Yes, we did. Because it's going to happen by the time this episode even comes out. Yeah, no. We fleshed it out enough, okay? I know you're really excited right now. Calm, I want Goran Dragic. Calm, calm your nipples over there, and we'll be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Let's talk about something in the Western Conference for a second, because there's some things that need to be talked about. We'll circle back to the East once we're done here. Uh, let's take a, a quick roundabout look at the teams we care about. But let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans here. Okay, we mentioned. Can we J- talk about the Lakers first? Oh yeah, actually, you know what? That's a better idea. Thank you. Who for- the fuck are the Lakers <laughs> going to get at this point? Middleton's off the board. Brogdon's off the board. Kemba's off the board. Kyrie, KD, Horford, Butler, Harris. Like who? They're not. They. The longer they wait, they're like they're, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. I don't know what they're gonna do. They are waiting. And hoping and just praying that Kawhi Leonard gives them a chance. And I have been firm thinking that that, that makes no sense. I don't imagine Kawhi Leonard wanting to play A, with LeBron, B, in the circus of the Lakers. So off the bat, I don't think that makes sense. I just think it's like something that's being floated around because it's interesting and because Kawhi met with Magic Johnson and because, you know, we as we did with Kevin Durant. Did he meet with Magic Johnson, Kawhi? Yes, he did, which means nothing technically. That's not a good thing for the Lakers. Yeah, right? So it means technically nothing. And we do this thing with free agents where we say, oh, they're probably going to the Lakers because they want to go to L.A. Oh, they're probably going to the Knicks because the Knicks are in New York, and even though they stink. We do this thing here. So I don't believe Kawhi Leonard's going to the Lakers. Is it possible? Absolutely. Looking at some of the other guys the Lakers would have been targeting, even as simple as J.J. Redick, right? Everybody was saying, perfect fit. They need shooting around LeBron and Anthony Davis. He's not going to be super expensive. He's a pro. He has so much playoff experience. What does it say that J.J. Redick who, for all intents and purposes, would have been a perfect fit in the La- in Lakerland, signed with David Griffin and the Pelicans. Like, the Lakers are losing out on people to the Pelicans and to the Pacers and to the Jazz. What is going on? I don't, I don't know if you're a Lakers fan. Like, you're just seeing all these deals flying everywhere. I haven't heard the Lakers team mentioned, like, once today. Not once. Which like how is that possible? If like at least the Knicks were in some bad news and they signed someone, like <laughs> they're actually speaking of the Knicks and Wojnarowski tweets, and that the, not that it wasn't even a bad signing. Like I'm not no shade at Julius Randle at all. The Knicks also signed Taj Gibson two for twenty. Oh yeah, I forgot to bring that up before. That's okay. I mean, uh, it's a, a grown up adult uh, who's going to make ten million, which is not nothing, but it's not a lot. Um, well, that's the good. It, when we had right. we the last pod we did, you said for the Knicks, what we want is. You know, people who want to win, people who, you know, want to compete hard and, you know, not 
don't just want to tank like they want to actually put effort forth every single night right so i think that actually is a, a good signing because this is a dude who plays every single game like seriously 82 games a year he will play for you and he will try his fucking heart out right like i want and i want taj he, gibson he went to like the tip school of competition where he's just a fucking psycho like I, that's that's not a bad thing i want taj gibson to rip out mitchell robinson's heart in practice so when mitchell robinson gets on the court he's like i can take anything taj gibson just beat the hell out of me for three practices in a row so all right back to back to lakerland all right they have three guys on the freaking roster they have lebron they have kuzma they have anthony davis and they have a cap hole for Reggie Bullock. Is this team more likely, Duff? Just give me a more likely or less likely. More likely to sign a max contract guy who the only one left is really Kawhi Leonard at this point. Is it more likely for them to sign Kawhi Leonard or for them to now put together a ragtag team of misfits with Bobby Portis and um, you know Seth Curry, who actually would be a good signing for them if you ask me, and who knows what, you know, like... Is it more likely for them to be rocking Kelly Oubre on for, they for, need, for fourteen I think million? They need like what, at this point, like they, they need they need to shut this shit down and just get quiet. I don't know how they do it, but they got to do it. I, I don't know what else. Are, are they going to sign both Morris twins? Like they're going to go for fifteen apiece, like on average. So then all your caps gone right there. Like I don't know this. We're talking about a team that legitimately has three guys on their roster right now. Like, I don't, like, and, and everywhere, like, something keeps popping up where I'm like, how do they, all right, they only have, like, four guys on their team? Well, actually, it's five because it's this person. Okay, now they only have three guys on their team? Oh, well, it's actually four because of this person. I never heard of. Like, I don't know where these people are coming out of the woodwork, but they essentially have three players on their team right now that can give them, like, good minutes. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, that's it. I don't know how you fill out the rest of your roster with $32 million. Granted, I don't know everything there is to know about the salary cap, but I do know they're you can't just pay over the cap. Like there needs to be rules. There needs to be like their bird rights. So because you got them in a trade, you can overextend past the cap because to retain a player that has their bird rights or a mid-level exception. But you only get one of those where you can pay someone a mid-level exception is around $9 million and change where you can essentially what Boogie Cousins signed for the Warriors last year, where you get them on your team and you don't have to worry about being over under the soft cap because it doesn't matter. Like there are only so many of those little wrinkles you can throw out there. Right. And there are, I don't know how many there are off the top of my head. There can't be more than five. So then, all right, fine. You sign two guys for the 30 and then you get five more. So now you're at 10 players on your roster and then you just bring up a couple G league guys. I get like, right. I don't think there are that many exceptions. I don't think there are five. I can only think of like three off the top of my head. So really you're only getting to like seven or eight. So Let's, if well, you don't sign Kawhi and then just hopefully get people on minimums, like that's the only way you can get this shit to work. Like I don't trust if you're going to go the route of we're going to get, you know, players A, B, C, and D, and we're going to spread out that $32 million. And then we'll, you know, we'll use some exceptions here or there. You have to nail every single one of those signings perfectly right. for it to work, especially with a player like LeBron James, who just actually had his first serious injury with the groin, with the groin tear or whatever. And, who's getting older in years and his body's not going to get more healthy as he gets older, even though somehow it seemed to have been until last season. And then Anthony Davis, a guy who has had all these nagging injuries who hasn't played, you know, over 75 or 72 games. I don't think in his career, maybe he did it once or uh, maybe once, but he's in the, he's been in the league for seven years and he's has a history of all these little nagging injuries. Right. Until he proves that he can be healthy for an entire season, you have to assume that's going to happen again. The I, I, best I mean, way, think, okay. the best way, the best the best way to counteract this is to get that third star, which is what the the Warriors did when they got 
KD, Steph, and Clay. Now they got fucked because two of them went down at the same time, and they were peppered with other injuries. But if if I'm the Lakers, I don't trust Rob Polinka to actually pull this off. I need him to sign Kawhi. I need Kawhi Leonard. There's no other answer. Right, and they may not get him. But there's one other guy who I need to throw out there who's interesting for a couple of reasons. One because he does have a weird leverage now with the Brooklyn Nets about becoming unrestricted free agent. That's D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell had an all-star season last year. He burst on the scene as a legitimate scorer, legitimate lead guard. There's been a lot of teams rumored to be liking D'Angelo Russell. That includes the Timberwolves. One of them was the Suns, and they signed their point guard and Ricky Rubio. Do they go for him? Probably not. The Lakers now become an interesting place for D'Angelo Russell as well. If they don't get Kawhi Leonard, is D'Angelo Russell a guy, if you're the Lakers, you are willing to now say, hey, here's $25 million a year? If I don't get Kawhi. This is the game you play now. Who is someone else going to offer D'Angelo Russell that? And he's going to sign with, you know, the Clippers or the sign and trade with the Warriors, or he's going to somehow end up on the Timberwolves. Like you, the clock is ticking. Like we're seeing it right now. Since we started doing this podcast, there's been Woj has dropped like several bombs that people have heard just live on the air. We got Taj Gibson. We got the whole thing about Miami and Butler and, Al Horford, like all that's just happened since we started doing this. Okay. This league is moving incredibly fast. And if, if they don't like, they need to make a decision. They need to say, okay, bird in the hand. We're just going to take D'Angelo Russell right now. And then I better see a fucking Woj bomb in the next 10 minutes about it. Or if they're, if it's going to last for like the next hour or two, like that might even be too long. They need to know they have Kawhi locked up somehow. And I just can't imagine, I can't imagine it. I really just, I don't see it with my best gut feeling. I just don't see it. I don't have sources. No, like People who have sources don't have sources on this stuff right now. Ramona Shelburne, well, let's actually, Ramona real quick, shout out to Ramona Shelburne because she's freaking awesome. And we always talk about Woj, we talk about Shams, even Zach Lowe gets some love, Windhorse gets love. Ramona Shelburne is fantastic at this stuff. And something she said about Kawhi Leonard I thought was fascinating and so you know, poignant that no no regular person would really think about. She said, this Kawhi Leonard stuff, people who are heavily tied into the situation aren't getting information. And what that could very well be is a test of loyalty from Kawhi Leonard and his people to the team that he wants to sign, right? Kawhi Leonard is a quiet guy. We know this. He doesn't have a ton of booming personality. He doesn't like a lot of media circus. He doesn't like drama. He wants to ball, and he wants to win. That's what we know about Kawhi Leonard, right? So if he's talking to the Lakers, if he's talking to the Clippers, if he's talking with the Raptors, maybe he's telling them, like, listen, part of you winning my my playership for your team is I need to trust you. I need you to tell me, look me in the eye and say, you will not go leak stuff. You will not let this get out. I need to know you have 100% trust for, um, I, I need I need to have 100% trust in you. So if he's telling the Lakers, like, I want to sign with you, but I'm not quite sure yet, or I'm just waiting to work out some kinks, and he says, I don't want this in the news. Like, is that what, that could be a real reason why no Kawhi stuff's leaking out. These teams are trying to earn his loyalty and trying to say, hey, we have your back. We're not going to be a circus. We're going to be legitimate and well-run. And if that's the case, the Lakers are not known for it. And I, that's why I can't imagine... Kawhi going there. The Clippers are known for it. The Raptors are known for it. The Lakers are not. They're just not. Oh, but I have a counterpoint. Counterpoint to that because I love that you brought this up. I was about to do the same exact thing and you're right. R- Ramona does not get the credit. She deserves And actually, in the past couple of years, she's really like asserted herself as someone who's pushed out some some great reports and like awesome news. She was really close to the Kawhi situation in, in San Antonio. Like as close as anyone could have gotten to it. And she actually 
got him alone for like five minutes in a in a halt back alley hallway one time. But this one thing about this Lakers thing, like I mentioned, it's been completely silent, right? Silent on the Western Front right now for the Lakers. This might be a good thing. Like we don't hear anything about Kawhi. We don't hear anything about the Lakers. And there was one thing that did trickle out today was that he canceled meetings with any teams. Like it was it was rumored that he wasn't going to meet with anyone. So if that's going to be the case, when that happens, people start leaking stuff out like crazy. Like, okay, you're not going to meet with us. We're going to leak bad things about this team or that team and just try to leverage the media in any sort of situation. None of that's happened. There's been no Kawhi Leonard news all day long. And think about the three so, teams favorite to get him right now, the Raptors, I the Clippers, this, and the Lakers. No news on those teams anywhere. None there, of them have signed anyone. There's no, They're all in a holding pattern right now. Right. There's no Danny and Green news. Is, there's I'd no Raptors news. it the other news. way. Like you're saying the Lakers don't talk a lot. And now they're like, you you don't, or they do talk too much and you don't trust them, whatever. The fact that they haven't shot themselves in the head yet, like, I'm, I'm so impressed. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that facetiously whatsoever. Like, I, I, I think this actually bodes really well for the Lakers. I agree. It's a good point. And uh, shout out to us. It's two points by both of us right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, We're, we are 50 minutes into this free agency podcast. Uh, hopefully you guys have been enjoying this. It's been a lot of fun for us so far. There's more things to talk about, so don't worry. We're not done yet. But Sports Blog New York Podcast, if you like what you guys have been hearing, just it would mean the world to us if you can get on Twitter and tweet me at Pete Kennedy with two Ys or hop on iTunes and leave a little rating and review. That just – it really brightens our day. We love to hear that we sit here and put in this work and have fun talking on this podcast when you guys appreciate it, it means the world to us. So if you're listening to this pod and you're enjoying it, we'd love for you to drop some five stars on there and a little review of the podcast. So thank you for listening so much. Pete Kennedy and John Lucas Duffy here. Duff, do we want to stay here with the Lakers, back to the Celtics and Eastern Conference stuff? Also, the Pelicans are a little interesting. Well, there's there's things to talk let's about Let's kind of go through our go? punch list here. I'd, let's go. Um, let's talk about the Bucks real quick. Let's go um, back back to the list here, the rundown. Uh, Middleton and Lopez are staying with the Bucks, uh, which means, I mean, there were three players in question for them. It was Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez. Everyone pretty much figured out that unless someone takes an extremely team-friendly deal, they would only be able to keep two of them. They decided early on that it was going to be Middleton and it was going to be Lopez, and they were going to let Brogdon walk. Um, you know, there's only two players, I think, in the NBA right now who are making more money than Chris Middleton, I think I saw that today somewhere on t- either Twitter or Instagram. And those players are, um, shoot, it was Russell Westbrook and Pete. You have any idea who the other one might have been? Uh, $200 million Supermax right now? John Wall? I don't think it was him. Whatever. But he's getting this. My point is he's getting like this huge deal, but it's kind of what the Bucks had to do. Um, it's 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 a lot. But he's been an all-star caliber player, especially in the Eastern Conference, for a couple of years now. He finally got the recognition last year. I think this is a signing they needed to make, and it's a premium they had to pay to keep him. So it's it's one of those issues where you can't look at the don't look at the, like you said with um with with Tim Hardaway Jr. Just don't look at the money. Just focus on the player. And if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, don't worry about the money. If Middleton keeps doing what he was doing and he incrementally approves here and there adds a little something to his game. I think it's worth the money. Um, and Lopez, I mean, I would have rather had Brogdon, but I don't know what else they could have done with their cap. If they took on an extra, what do you get? Like 21, $22 million. Um, but Lopez for, I think it was four years, 52 million. I don't love the four years. Uh, 
but I think 52 million, uh, it's like 13 mil a year. I think that's a very reasonable number for him. So I, I actually like what the Bucks did. And I think, you know, that's probably why we still have him number one in our conference, Eastern conference. What do you think? Yeah, they had a choice to make and it was, you know, Middleton, Lopez and Brogdon pick two. And their two are Middleton and Lopez. Now, I feel very strongly that Brogdon is awesome, and he deserves pretty close to max money, in my opinion. I don't know if they made the right choice, but they did make a choice where they brought back two absolute cornerstones of their team last year. And it really, with the Bucks, it all comes down to, what does Giannis want? Do it. Does Giannis want Middleton? Make sure it happens. Does Giannis love playing with Lopez? Make sure it happens. You know, Brogdon hasn't played a full season in his career, is that something that scares them? Maybe. I don't think it should, but it might. They made a decision, and their team is pretty much in order. They, still, they also retained George Hill. They already paid Eric Bledsoe, which possibly had something to do with why they didn't go for Brogdon, which would make me really upset because Brogdon's better than him. But it comes down to, is Giannis happy? Does Giannis want to play with Middleton? Does Giannis want to play with Lopez? If so, do whatever the hell you have to do to make it happen. Because if you don't one do... One critique I would make for the Bucks to your point, like Bledsoe, why did they extend him so early? I mean, he was having a good season, I guess, you know? Like, but then playoffs come around, he crumbed. He crumpled. He crumbed? What do you know what I meant? I don't know. That was, that was the weird thing to me. Like, yeah, when the news weird. came out, it's like, okay, fine. Like, couldn't you have just done this in June or July after the playoffs? Yeah, very strange. Very strange. Let's move on to our next Eastern Conference team. We obviously hit on the Sixers a lot yet, uh, a lot before. Let's talk about the Celtics super quick because I don't think we got enough on their front just yet. We didn't talk about Kemba Walker. We didn't talk about their ability to continue to retool. Every time we think the Celtics are about to just enter a rebuild or enter a phase where they're just going young, 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 they have find a way to add some sort of piece, to add some sort of all-star caliber talent to keep them in the top four of the Eastern Conference. It was Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford in the past. It was Gordon Hayward when he was the premier free agent of that summer. Um, now Gordon Hayward is hopefully going to be a little bit more Gordon Hayward-esque moving forward. If you look at this team, Kemba Walker, no real centered yet, but Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and whoever else they add, like they still somehow continue to be expected to win 55 games every year. And it's quite impressive. Danny Ainge is a hateable guy if you're not a Celtics fan because he seems to get everything right. Did he, again, figure out a way to retool and knock it out of the park? Uh, he didn't get everything right because he held all the bullets in his chamber or in, in his clip and hoping that they would get Anthony Davis, even though all along, like, either Rich Paul or Anthony Davis's father was like, he's not re-signing there, so don't even bother um, when last year, when they desperately needed to make, we'd said it before, they desperately needed to make that three for one trade. They didn't do it. I, I would flip it the other way around. Like, at what point in this Danny Ainge thing where they had all these assets, did they become like sort of a failure with what happened? Like, what was now we're talking about the Nets? Like, we led the show off with the Nets. Like, could you have imagined that five years ago? No, there's no, no there's just have, no could way. Could you have imagined that one year ago? Could you have imagined one that year ago. six months ago? Six months ago, Duff. Dude, uh, a year ago, we're talking about the Celtics as, you know, the franchise any GM would pick to, like, say you had carte blanche, you had a full buffet of NBA teams, you get to pick anyone to start the next 10 years with. Everyone and their mother is picking the Celtics. That's where we were. And then Kyrie thing went terribly wrong. 
Um, they struck out on Anthony Davis. They struck out in the past on Kawhi Leonard. Not struck out, but they didn't go for Kawhi Leonard. They didn't go for Paul George. They went for Kyrie Irving, and it seemingly worked, and then it obviously blew up last year. But with all that being said, they are still right here, expected to be a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you can say it's a failure. It's championship or bust, right? They haven't even made a finals. They made uh, two conference finals that were a little lackluster with a weak East. But I I just cannot look at the Celtics and say any sort of failure other than not figuring out Kyrie Irving. I think the failure is just that they haven't figured it out yet. Like That's the big failure. Because they set their expectations so high that they their bar became conference final championship and they haven't been able to reach that. I get it. Uh, it's fair. It's a fair point. Their bar is way higher than anybody else's in the league who doesn't have LeBron or you're not the Warriors. Or the Rockets, maybe you can say that the, as well. But the thing is, this upcoming season, they still don't have that clear path. They're still cluttered in the wing position. I still don't know how Jalen Brown feels. Like He's going to be under contract still. I think, I think he's under for one more year after this. I, I'm not going to check it, but I think he's under for one more year after this. What What are they going to do with with Tatum and Brown and Hayward. Like, that's still the lingering question. Not to mention, they don't have a center. Like, I guess they have um, fucking Time Lord. What's his name? Robert Williams. But <laughs> is he is he ready? Like, no. you want to hand the keys to that guy right now? I mean, I guess they've sort of shifted their timetable at this point uh, and just sort of reset when Horford leaves and they're significantly younger without him i guess but like kemba and Kyrie are essentially the same age i think kemba's actually a little older no yeah he's a little older two three years yeah. older so not i i really look at this and i think not much has changed you know you really just have to hope that there's individual improvement yeah they're within tre- their they're, team like that's that's the number one thing they can do is just hope their players are better they're treading water but they're just treading higher than most you know like they're not the magic yeah. they're not treading the eight seed they're treading the five seed yeah so, I don't yep. know. It's it's going to be interesting to see if, if Gordon Hayward can do similarly to Paul George and in year two after a devastating broken leg look like yourself again. If he can look like Utah Gordon Hayward again this season, which, you know, you really can't put money on that, um, then you say, okay, you know, this team has something to say. Like, this team is no joke. But if Gordon Hayward can't be that guy, if they don't have a real center on the roster, Kemba Walker is going to be like, God damn it, like... You know, I thought this was a chance for me to be in the conference finals. Now the Sixers, Bucks, and Nets are just kicking my ass. It's interesting. Well, at least Kemba is going to be sort of reinvigorated to be in a position he's never been in before. Like Absolutely. He's going to be competitive and in a playoff environment. He's and gonna, in a city that actually gives a shit about basketball. His his best teammates ever, ever in Charlotte were Nicholas Batum and Al Jefferson. And that's all that needs to be said about Kemba Walker. So, like, if he's going to play with Tatum, Brown, Hay- Hayward, and who else shows up in Boston, they're going to be his best teammates ever, off the bat. I think they're just a huge, huge, huge question mark at this point. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I mean, like, look, look, look. I'm a little bit overreacting here. They're still going to be a top four team in the East, most likely. They're going to have what what they do for the rest of free agency – We'll see. Like, they have trade pieces. They have Romeo Langford. They had three first-round picks last draft. You know, they can package that into whatever. Who knows? And center's still on the board. Off the top of my head, I guess, like, Nerland's Noel is still out there. No, Um, he he agreed to some sort of terms with OKC, I'm pretty sure. Oh, did? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Forgot about that. Wow, there it's it's all right. It's thin on the center it's, front. It's I guess Robin, they got Demarcus Cousins. It's like, Robin Lopez. It's Will Cauley Stein. It's you know Demarcus Cousins. Robin Lopez wouldn't be bad. Robin Lopez would be nice for him. For them, Will Cauley Stein wouldn't be terrible. Kevon Looney. 
That yeah. would be a good fit. Yeah. I think that would be a really good fit, actually, with Stevens. Yeah. So, you know, those they are the, those moves are the guys. to make. Yeah, they have moves to make. They're not done, but they're they're in an okay position. But with the Boston Celtics standard, they're still not quite there. So that's what that's where we're at. Um, let's go to oh, – we don't need to talk about the Pacers, right? I'll say one line on the Pacers. Victor Oladipo, back and healthy. Uh, added Malcolm Brogdon, great add. Added Jeremy Lamb to replace Bojan Bogdanovic. They're, they're a solid team that's going to compete and play really hard. Sabonis, Turner, they're solid. They're a 4-5 seed. That's what they are. It's not exciting. That's what they are. Um, moving on through the Eastern Conference. Is there any other Eastern Conference team that we need to touch on? I don't even think there is. Um, no, I don't think no. there is. There's there are no other rel- – like, unless you want to get no. into the nitty-gritty about some no. shitty team. Like, I don't no. know. No, we don't. Okay, let's move on to the Western Conference. Let's talk about the Warriors. I think they're absolutely fascinating. Um the Warriors sneakily are super interesting. Not as the top dog favorite to win the finals, like we got used to them over the past couple of years, but as a team looking to rekindle championship expectations with Steph Curry and Draymond Green in what I need to absolutely hammer home in a contract year, Draymond Green. Draymond Green contract year is like playoff with Draymond Green. That's my, that's my guess, right? This dude wants to I get paid. I would hope so for their sake. This dude wants to get paid. He thinks he's a max player. Last season, he did not play like one. Not even close. Draymond Green played like an average starter at best last season for a lot of the, a lot of the year. He was not the defensive player of the year candidate we got used to. He was overweight. He couldn't shoot. He was an assist guy. He was still a good ball mover, um, you know, guy who knows how to play the game right. But he wasn't the real Draymond. He just wasn't. This year, he needs to take more shots than ever. He needs to score more points than ever. But he also wants to get freaking paid. I expect fully him to show up in shape, ready to go, ready to prove that he can be an all-star max player um, this late in his career when he wants to get paid. Other than that, the Warriors have question marks. They're paying Iggy a lot. Their role players are very... Uh, you know, not there really. Like Kevin Looney might walk. Clay Thompson's hurt. Kevin Durant just walked and is hurt anyway. Like the Warriors have some serious considerations to make. Uh, what do you expect out of them in regards to you know seeding in the Western Conference and how they can retool this team to become a championship expectation team again? Uh, I think that they need someone else to score buckets. Essentially. Draymond Green is a passer, a rebounder, a defender. He's not a scorer. He'll cut and get buckets that way, like maybe in transition. But if Steph Curry is going to be their only real threat on the court, you know, while uh, Clay Thompson's out the whole season, I, I'm not, I don't know. This team's ceiling feels just freakishly low to me. Like, I don't know what the number even goes to it at this point. I think they really need to look to work out some sort of sign-and-trade deal for D'Angelo Russell. Now, I have no idea what they have to give up. I really don't. Um, Other than Draymond Green's expiring, which they will not give up. So what more is there? I, I really don't know. This team's a bit of an enigma. I would say off the top of my head, right now, at team as is, um, only four. I mean, like, probably, let me just, probably between like the five and seven seed range. Like, seriously, they're bringing. I mean, dude, I I tend to agree. That's where I expect them, and I, I I say more six. Still to, playoffs. I would say still squarely in the playoffs. I say six to eight, but I've been talking to, to different people, friends, and seeing stuff on Twitter, and a couple of coworkers of mine who just think they're the tenth best team in the West. 
Like they think like, they're they over, think they're like just who? not a playoff like, team. Are the Kings now better than them? Or like the Wol like the Clippers all of a sudden? Like no. <sighs> I mean I, I agree with you, but let, let's break now, it down. Granted, let, granted let me you're play, need to win like forty seven games to be in the playoffs in the West again. Let me play the other side of this for you. Okay. Let's talk about the teams we fully expect to be in the playoffs in the Western Conference. We have the Lakers, we have the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers. What's that? Lakers, uh, Lakers, Jazz, Lakers. Nuggets, uh, Trailblazers. That's four. Who am I missing? The Thunder. Thunder. The Thunder, five. Uh, let me pull up the, the the league just so I can take a look. That's five. I would say those five are guaranteed. Probably the Thunder. So the Thunder and... That's six. All right. So then we have teams like the Clippers, the Rockets, the Spurs. Oh, the Rockets are in. The Rockets are in. They have. Did James, we not say them? Jam- we didn't say the Rockets. The Rockets have James Wait. Harden and currently Clint Capella and Chris Paul, unless they do something Nuggets, crazy. Nuggets, Blazers, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, Lakers. That's six. That's six teams that we expect to be in the playoffs, right? Then you look at yeah. the guys who are outliers. If the Clippers get Kawhi Leonard, boom, they're in. If the Clippers yep. don't get Kawhi Leonard and just kind of piecemeal some extra guys together, they're still probably a playoff team. They won 48 games last year. Um, mm-hmm. The Spurs are the freaking Spurs, man. They have DeMar DeRozan, they have LaMarcus Aldridge, they have Rudy Gay, they have Damari Carroll, who they just signed. They have the ragtag team of misfits like Patty Mills and um, uh, what's my shooter, my man, Davies Bertans. They got they got guys. They won 48 games last year. They're a team yeah. that probably will win 44 to 50 games again this year. Then you have teams like the Kings, who won 39 and were exciting. De'Aaron Fox a year better, Buddy Heald a year better, Bogdanovich a year better. Um, they bring back Harrison Barnes. And Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley, you're better. They can be a 42 win team. Like the Pelicans, who I don't think are a playoff team, are super talented and super young. If they get it together and are frisky like we think they might be, they can be 44 wins. The Dallas Mavericks are now running out Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. If Kristaps Porzingis is healthy, that is a dynamic ass duo. That that that's sniffing forty wins, like probably that's sniff, sniffing forty wins. But I'm just saying these these gimme wins that the Warriors have had the past couple of years, where when you know when the Warriors show up to uh, Dallas, it's like ah we can win this one. When the Warriors show up to the Clippers or to the Kings or to even the Spurs and Thunder, like these are not going to be gimme games anymore. Like the Warriors have had over the past five years, they're going to be hard fought hard fought battles where the Warriors have to put on 115 points. Like dude, like. Where do the how points the f- come from? That's my question. Where how do the, the points fuck, come from? How the fuck does the West keep getting better and the East is still just on a treadmill? I don't get it. Like, how do how do like fourteen teams in the league know what to do and the other sixteen, not fourteen, all right, but like fourteen teams in one conference are like taking steps forward consistently. Thirteen don't count the Timberwolves, but then you have <laughs> like the entire Eastern Conference. Like, what? That's just a mind blowing question. But back to the point. I think the I don't see that Warriors they got to still be a playoff team, right? Like they'll I mean, figure it out. Dude, that's what I say and that's what I agree with. I agree with. But there's just, there's a lot of people who don't believe it. Like where tell me this, where are the points how coming from? You go from? to five straight finals to missing the playoffs. Because two of their three best players are out or gone. Yeah, but you still have like a top 20 player of all time. You have Steph Curry. Let's say Steph Curry averages 30 points and 6 assists and Draymond averages, let's give him his career high, 14 points and 7 or 8 assists, right? Who is scoring the other point stuff? Andre Iguodala has never averaged over 10 on the Warriors. He's older than ever, obviously. Livingston's older than ever. Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell are coming back. Kevin, Kevon Looney, we don't know. DeMarcus Cousins, we don't know. Jarebko? 
like Jordan Poole, their rookie, where are the points coming from for the Warriors? They need D'Angelo Russell. They need him. And they don't have any way to get him other unless they sign and trade, and those are hard to make happen. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. This is this is getting a little interesting for the Warriors. This is getting difficult. The Windhorse broke it down today. He can just sit there and not communicate with anyone, and then they have no idea if he's willing to do it or not, so they can't agree to it. And they can he can just essentially put the kibosh on it. Like, so what's to be done? Unless he hears he's going to the Warriors and he wants to go to the Warriors. Right. But, and they're willing to give him the money. Like, who knows? They need to put they need to put balls in hoops, and they don't have a lot of guys who are good at it. They really don't. So I don't know. Let's move on from the Warriors. Let's talk about. It's too early to rule them out. Absolutely, That's I'm I'm not ruling them out either. But it, it is very interesting. Like whatever happens with their mid level exception guys and their vet minimum guys and all that stuff is as it's more important than ever. You know, David West was a great grab for them when they wanted to win a championship, and he was a great uh, stabilizing force. But like, is Jonas Jerebko getting the job done for the Warriors to help them make the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about the Pelicans. Pelicans, as currently constituted, include Alonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, J.J. Redick, Jackson Hayes. There are some good players there. There are some established NBA players, Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick. There are some young guns, Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Interesting start to their careers. Both still have good expectations. There is a Enigma rookie, Zion Williamson. There is a 10th pick or 8th pick, whatever he was, Jackson Hayes, who may be a little more of a project than a ready-to-go guy. They did not get Al Horford, but they got Redick. You really think this team could be a playoff team? We just broke down the West from a very uh, basic standpoint. You think no. this team can be a playoff team? Because I'm not there yet. No. Just too many young players. I mean, the West is just its just an absolute gauntlet. It always has been. I guess, you know, Kevin Durant is out. But is there is there any other notable person that's left the conference? Like Mike Conley was relocated into a better team. Yeah, but still in the West. I mean, other than that, Kevin Durant is off the board. I guess Clay Thompson's off the board too. But for for like, still, for like they still have to jump like five other teams yeah. just to get into the playoffs. And the Kings are knocking, man. The Kings were nearly a five hundred team last year, and they played teams freaking hard. And I don't I don't want to just say that the Mavericks stopped trying to win last year, but there was a clear tanking process last year that happened. Uh, like, if they played the full year out trying to win every single game, they'd probably grab a couple more wins, but they get Kristaps Porzingis back. They have a nice team. They got Rick Carlisle. Luka Doncic is a year two. Like, they, I'd take them over the Pelicans still right now. Yeah, Luka is, between those two teams, probably the best player other than maybe Drew Holiday. But I think in terms of just being a dynamic player who can run offense and do a lot of different things, I would I would take Luca over Holiday, even just in a single season next year. Right. I'd Me probably too. do that. Me too. So yeah, I mean I think for the Pelicans there's some exciting things and this is definitely gonna be a really great league pass team, but I think that's kind of where they're capped at. They're they're essentially the new kings. That's where I'll put them at. Yeah, that's fair. And the Kings might even still be the Kings because who knows if they're going to take that leap. Right. It's definitely uh, a path for them to take that leap. I mean, I think everybody likes the players on that that roster. Like, they really do. Marvin Bagley, who I wasn't super high on in the draft, had a very nice year and showed he can do a lot of things in the NBA level. De'Aaron Fox is awesome. And he's got some bars. Awesome. And he's got bars, I guess. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is legitimate. He is a 
soon to be all star in my opinion. It's obviously extremely hard to make all star team in the West as a guard, but they are they are on knocking at the door. They're close, and I think they're closer than the Pelicans, closer than the Mavericks. Damn, son. So I mean, this is so much going I, on. Let's, Where, let's, let's what, what do you got? I, I want to talk about the Jazz. We touched on it with okay. Conley, but okay. So for the Jazz, they're going to be running out Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bogdan or Boyan Bogdanovich, excuse me, and uh, Jingles and Rudy Gobert. That's that's a tough that's a tough starting lineup. I think they've definitely upgraded their starting five. Absolutely. I mean, they went from Rubio to Conley when they went from Royce O'Neal. To Bojan Bogdanovic. Well, Rosa Neal's still on the team. He's still, or even Jay, he's still Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. Right. Crowder to Bojan, who's a better scorer, can do more things by himself. And I think one thing that happens with the— Comparable with, defender. One thing that happens with the Jazz, too, when they struggle, is they, they don't have enough guys who can just create stuff or shoot well, uh, <laughs> simply enough. So Donovan Mitchell was leaned on so much to do everything for them offensively. And Joe Ingles was leaned on them a lot. He, like, they needed him to create, shoot, score, pass, everything. Now you add Conley, who can just be a stabilizing force, who can shoot, score, and pass. You add Bojan Bogdanovic, who proved he could be, like, a legitimate number two. Like, he was a legitimate number two and a pretty solid uh, number one fill-in when Oladipo went out. Like, he was good last year when they needed him most. They got better. Good for the Jazz, because you talk about teams knowing how to get better. Utah, baby. They lost Gordon Hayward, their best draft pick in a long time since Darren Williams, who actually stuck around for a while. And they lost him for nothing. Next year, they're back in the playoffs. It's impressive. They just continue to do the right thing. And there's, it's honestly not much more to say than that. They're just a really solid team all the way through. And they always produce and seem to make the right moves. And they have a great coach in uh, Coach Quinn. So... I, I, I'm really excited for them because now Mitchell got some – he got thrown into the fire last year. He really did because you're right. They didn't have much else to, to offer besides him from an offensive creation standpoint, like I guess Jingles. But Gobert is just going to kind of catch lops. That's yeah. that's basically it. Crowder's going to spot up shoot. And who would have thought, like, at this point in his career that Ricky Rubio would be a better defensive player than offensive player? <laughs> Like, coming into the league, he was supposed to be, like, the next strange. Pete Maravich. I was so yeah. pumped for this guy. So strange. The shooting really and it just, just never him. it never came to fruition. He couldn't ex- expand his game. When you can't shoot and teams are able to sag off, as we saw with Ben Simmons, it really makes the things you're good at a little bit harder to do. And that's what happened to Ricky Rubio. Uh, nice piece, though, for the Suns. You know, they need some sort of stabilizing point of, of a point guard there in, in Phoenix. So, like, good for them, but the Suns still stink, you know? So that's what it is. Did they, did they really just, like, not leave themselves enough cap room for D'Angelo Russell? I think they, they didn't – they just didn't think they'd get him anyway. Maybe, maybe they know they weren't getting him. Maybe they didn't want him. I don't know. What the hell? The, he the seems Suns like are the a type of dude, dude, though, who would basically just go where the money was right. I mean, I guess and where his boy Towns is, Devin are good Booker. friends he's, boys with, he's also tight with Devin Booker, though. Tight. That that three of them, Towns, Booker, and Russell, boys. It's it's a weird scene. All right, I don't know Let, what they do. Let's uh, start to close out here. Um, Denver didn't do anything, and they're not going to do anything in in free agency. They just retain Millsap, right. essentially one year, thirty million dollar contract. Retain Millsap, run it back. Hopefully, have a healthy Michael Porter Jr. to play some wing minutes. Maybe they'll make some trades. Who knows? But uh, actually, there may have been some Jamal Murray news about an extension. I'm not sure. But yeah. the Nuggets, but essentially, me and my brother say this good. all the time, and it's some. Uh, I, who one of his friends says it too. It's just like there's no such thing as a bad one year deal. 
There isn't. There re- unless it stops you from getting someone else, it's not bad at all. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Matt, Nuggets are awesome. They're going to be very good, very fun, and a playoff contender for sure. Let's talk about one more thing. I don't know if you want to do it, but I did get a tweet from somebody, a good listener of the podcast, at Mike Wright 94 My guy Mike Wright hit me up on Twitter all the time about different questions. Hopefully he's listening to this. He did tweet me as we were doing this pod. At P. Kennedy, how does one man continue to be a Knicks fan at this point? And I don't know how I'm going to answer, so Duff, let me ask you, how does one man even continue to be a Knicks fan at this point? Uh, I think you you just kind of got to throw your self-respect out the window. <laughs> I think that's your only move at this point. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, I didn't mean to. All right. Can I, give, to be honest, can I give this a whirl? Can I give this a whirl? And you go ahead, find a way. Great, grade go this. Ahead. Grade this for me. All right. The Knicks signed Julius Randle and Taj Gibson. The Knicks just drafted R.J. Barrett and a guy out of Michigan who, you know, he might be a bench player. Who knows? Never, probably not. Um, they still, though, with signing Julian Julius Randle, with signing Taj Gibson, have forty million dollars left in cap space. Thank you, Ian Begley, who just tweeted that. They have young players who you want to see what they're going to do. R.J. Barrett hasn't played a game yet, but you like him. Right, Mitchell Robinson has played some games, and we really like him. Kevin Knox had a eh rookie season, but there are things to like and things to look forward to seeing what he can do on the court. <sighs> that that's that's what I got right now. There's 40 million in cap space left. There is possible trades to be made. There are young players to look forward to watching. Um, then there's some Mavs picks coming through. There are some Mavs picks coming through. There is a Dennis Smith, Frank Nilakina. And uh, they let go of Emmanuel Moutier. So those are our point guards, I guess, right now. Dennis Smith, you know, he's not nothing, right? Like, he's not nothing. He's so, still young. Like, let him – I think this is a year to compete and play hard and just put more talented players on the floor, i.e. Julius Randle and Taj Gibson, who know what it's like to be on professional teams who are actually trying to win games. I think those are good things. I'm not – by no means – I mean, like – I. Pete, maybe you can explain this to me, but I know a lot of Knicks fans are really out on Kevin Knox. Like, by no means am I out on stupid. Kevin Knox personally. It's just, I mean, it's just stupid. I didn't, I didn't watch as much of him as I'm sure you did or other Knicks fans. But considering the fact that he was like 19, 20 years old and playing on a team that was just full of like dog shit players, I don't know how that's supposed to elevate one person's game. It's like it's not fair to point at that kid and be like, "Yeah, you didn't," you know really exceed our expectations playing for this team that was actively trying to lose games right. with players on the team that were essentially two-way players or Euroleague guys. It's a good point. I don't know. Am I off on that? No, dude. I'm with you, bro. I hate Can it. Can you explain I think, to me, though? Like, I some, think Knicks sometimes fans there's are this worse. rationalization on Twitter thing that's happening that I miss out on because I'm not on Twitter. So, what, like, what were people saying about him? There's people who like him. There's definitely fans who like Kevin Knox. That I'm not going to act like there isn't. The louder people who are Knicks fans tend to not like him as much. The, you know, the, the inefficiency numbers were not good for Kevin Knox this year. Like He did not check out with analytics. He was one of the worst rookies in the league based off analytics. But when you're talking about a rookie, analytics are pointless for me almost. Unless you're talking about like straight-up shooting percentages and stuff like that, and like they're shooting well, then I'll, I'll put some salt in there. I don't know what that means, but you know, I get my point out there. Uh, but if they're shooting poorly and they're not effective from like a win-share standpoint... Like, that doesn't bother me. 
Like if you're showing on the court that you can put the ball on the ground and go finish through, through contact and score a dunk, if you can hit a three that's contested, those are the things you look at as a rookie. There's plenty of things to hang your hat on with Kevin Knox. I, there's no way I'm giving up on him yet. Like he he didn't have a great rookie year, but he proved that he can do some things. You know, and you expect him to get better. He's freaking 20 years old. He's 20. Yeah. Knicks fans specifically he... because we're in it because we are in New York because we are know so many Knicks fans, it's tough because people are outspoken. Frank Nilakina was a bust before he played a game. Then he played some good defense one time. Then he wasn't a bust. Then he was a bust again. Then he was hurt. Then he was a bust. But I'm still not giving up on Frank Nilakina. Like, I don't think he's going to be some good player, some great player. But is he an NBA player? I do think so. I don't think we look at Frank Nilakina in four years and say, hey, remember him. He's not in the league. I think he's in the league, you know? So like I think he could be that type of player where he has a disappointing rookie contract, you get him on the cheap for the next one, and then hopefully he like blossoms into his role around players who have developed around him more quickly, i.e. like uh, RJ Barrett, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, guys like that. So I think he could be like that guy on a cheap, you know, seven million dollar right. contract for two years that all of a sudden plays himself into a, into a, like a legit play. Well, he, I think that's he, best case scenario at this point. Absolutely. I mean, Fran Fraschilla said it. It's not going to cost. It's not going to cost you a lot of money to find out. Like that's the good thing about it. Fran Fraschilla said it on his draft night. Like literally said it the day, the moment Frank Nilakina got drafted. He's like, this guy is not yet an NBA player. He's not ready to play, and uh, he may have been a little too harsh because you know Frank Nilakina was able to stay on the court for a bad team. Like so, he was an NBA player, but. He wasn't good by any means. Nonetheless, there's he might actually have a smaller contract for contract number two than his his lottery scale contract. It's fine. Keep him around. Play him. See what he can do. Give him fucking 14, 15 minutes a night. I don't even like cursing. I just did. Anyways, the Knicks. This is par for the course of a rebuild. There's players who are drafted by the team who you hope do well enough that you want to re-sign them in a couple years. There's Knox, there's Robinson, there's R.J. Barrett, maybe Frank Nilakina. There's Damian Dotson, who they probably would like to re-sign next year because he's a bench player. He's a guy who's going to be in the league. He can shoot and defend. Like They're not in no man's land because they have now taken one step from let's be the worst team in the league to try to get them one pick to we're probably not a playoff team. We're almost definitely not a playoff team. But we're going to try to win. We're going to try to compete. And that's the only thing I've been asking for for the past six months, for the past couple weeks. All I want for the Knicks next season is for them to say, hey, we're not losing. And even though they're going to lose, I need the attitude of we need, we're need. we trying to win. We're trying to compete. We're trying to see what we can do against some of these good teams and really give them a punch in the mouth, see if they respond. That's what we're going to get out of Julius Randle. Because this dude, say what you want about his defense, which isn't great. He's going to score 20 and 10, and he could be a freaking all-star. For real. Like, that's no joke. Julius Randle can put 20 and 10 in and possibly be an all-star this year. That's not out of conception, right? Tosh Gibson, we talked about him before. He's a pro who's tough, and he doesn't want to lose. Those forces of guys like that are going to positively affect R.J. Barrett, going to positively affect Kevin Knox, going to positively affect Mitchell Robinson, and there's still $40 million left in the Knicks cap space. Who do they sign? Maybe no one special. But maybe next year... Maybe the next superstar who says, I want out of my situation, maybe the Knicks say, we have the flexibility and we have draft picks, let's make it happen. The Knicks are in a place where a normal rebuilding team would be that's slightly, slightly, slightly ticking in the right direction and not just saying, we're going to lose every game this year and get the best pick. They have moved on from that, which is a positive thing. Hang your hat on the fact this franchise is not crippling their organization with bad contracts right now. 
has a ton of draft picks, has some young players we like a little bit. There is some room for hope. It's just not going to be an immediate fix. It's not going to happen overnight with the Knicks. It's going to happen over the course of the next two, three years. And what you want to do with that extra, what was it, 40, 40 something million? What 40, was it yeah. exactly? Mm-hmm, 40 million. 40 million. You want to, you want, you need to sign guys. You got to hit the cap floor, like it's just, which is around $90 million. You just got to get there. Um, but the number one thing you can't do, like if I'm, if I'm a Knicks fan at this point, I say, okay, we're going to have to fill this out, but I don't want to sign anyone for longer than two years because we're in a rebuilding case like scenario here. And I don't want another, you know, Joe Kim Noah stretch and wave type deal. So you want to take two guys for two years. If you really love them three and just kind of stay on that track, get guys who are looking to prove something and are willing to work hard or guys who are towards the end of their career, like a Taj Gibson who want to be there for a couple years and, you know, just pay them their quote and just move on. Right. Like if you give two years, like, and like you just said before, I'm glad you said this right now. Uh, at this point, no one year contract is a bad contract. Not mm-hmm. one, one year contract can be a bad contract. If I'm the next, I look at Seth Curry and I'm like, yo, Seth Curry, you really showed some stuff in the playoffs last year. Here's here's sixteen million for one year. Uh, well, maybe he'll probably get closer to like ten. So uh, yeah, if he he can get ten for, but if it's one year, who cares? If it's one year, who cares? And he's gonna say, wow, that's a nice chunk of change for me. And he's like, I'll take that, and I still need to play for another contract. That's yeah. what you want. Like JJ Redick to the Sixers when he got twenty million dollars. Right. Like JJ Redick is not a twenty million dollar player, and Seth Curry is not a sixteen year, million dollar player. But if if for one year it doesn't affect you moving forward, why the hell not? Obviously, there's some cap hold implications the year after, but that's, you know, you can move, work around that. You look at guys like Seth Curry, uh, Will Cauley-Stein doesn't fit the Knicks, but guys like Will Cauley-Stein who aren't getting retained by their team, who have some sort of talent, who have something to prove, who want to play for a good contract, you go for them, give them extra money for one year, and see what they can do. And maybe a year later you say, hey, you know what? I'll give you a market value now for three years. Or you use them uh, as a trade I, chip. Yeah. I, I want to shift gears on like the last thing I want to talk about here, just for the Nets real quick. Apparently, I'm looking at Woj's Yeah, I was just going to bring that up because it's the last yeah. thing we talk about. Cool. Um, so Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving reportedly took less than the max to allow DeAndre Jordan to get $10 million annual salary with the, with the Nets here. Um, so he's going to be on a four-year, $40 million contract. Now... DeAndre Jordan at 10 years, I like. At four years, I don't. Ten, and this is, goes ten back million, to what we've been saying all like, four years, you know. Yeah. So they can make, the, potentially, KD and Kyrie can make up the money and bonuses if they get to 45 wins and reach the second round of the playoffs. Maybe, like, they could be in the thick of that. That I would say that adding Kyrie and, you know, over D'Angelo Russell could be worth three wins. You know, that's what we're talking sure. about. That's going to be right in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, three, four, five, six range. Who knows? Um, but I thought it was interesting. And I want to get your take on this, Pete. Kevin Durant and Kyrie actively taking less money to get DeAndre Jordan on the team Strange. for the same amount of years that they would be there. So they right. they look at this guy like a lot of people look at DeAndre Jordan and they, they don't like his game. Myself being included. Now, It'll be interesting to see what kind of headspace he's in. But this is a dude who a lot of his numbers are inflated because if you watch, he steals rebounds from his teammates <laughs> in a really aggressive fashion. Like yeah. he almost elbowed Luka Doncic in the head last year. I actually think he did elbow in the head. He might have. Just to get a rebound. Yeah. 
a def- like a completely uncontested defensive rebound I'll, I'll that tell you he this. got and promptly handed off to him like a second later. But it's just some weird stuff that he does like that. I'll tell you this. We got to see DeAndre Jordan up close and personal here in New York for a couple months, and his presence was fantastic. Uh, his on-the-court play was irrelevant mostly, but, you know, finish some lobs, rebound, not be an idiot on defense and do the right thing, even though he can't move like he used to. He's a guy you want around. I don't think four million. I mean, four four years, ten million each is ideal. But if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving really like this guy, which apparently Kevin Durant's great friends with DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving really likes DeAndre Jordan, it's worth it. Like, and they're willing to take less. Frick it, why not? But DeAndre Jordan as a presence, as a professional, is very positive. I mean, the Knicks spoke so highly of him and the way he helped Mitchell Robinson figure out some defensive stuff and how to catch lobs and how to how to pick and roll. Like he knows what to do. He's not as good as he used to be, and his style isn't perfect for the new NBA. But if he's going to be your backup center, yeah, he's overpaid. A, he's going to help Jared Allen, and B, he's going to help against more physical centers. Because Jared Allen, the one knock on him right now is he gets bullied by the real physical guys. He can't hang with Embiid. Jordan's a guy who's going to play less minutes, but they may be more meaningful minutes. So I like the signing. It's too much money, but because Durant and Kyrie want it, sign that check, baby. I think all that's fair. Well said. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, hopefully, there was th- a lot of things that people think was fair said on this podcast. We are now an hour and a half in. Duff, this was a blast, dude. This was so much fun. Uh, breaking news great. as we were live uh, recording this, not live for people listening. I kind of wish we periscoped it because that would have been great, but we couldn't get all the logistics right. Maybe soon, though. Maybe soon we'll do a little live periscope podcast. Why not? Why not? Just, we got to do it uh, in the same room, but other than that, that's the only hurdle we got to jump. We'll figure it out. Uh, this was friggin' fun. There's going to be more stuff happening. We're waiting on Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we now know Jimmy Butler. We're waiting on a Clay official announcement from the Warriors, we assume. We assume. Um, but there's stuff to happen. There's more players to fall. There's things to be talked about. But hopefully for now, you enjoyed this episode of the Sports Blog New York Podcast. John Lucas Duffy, any last words? Uh... My last words are free agent forward Ed Davis has agreed to two-year, $10 million with the Utah Jazz. Nice. What do they do with Derek Favors? All right, Fuck well, who Derek cares? Favors. We're done. Derek We're done. Favors, sayonara. Yeah. Sayonara. I'm pretty sure his money's not guaranteed, Favors, so he can walk. And Ed Davis off the bench, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, for the, for the for Nets, five mil, that's very nice. For the Nets last year, Ed Davis was large. He was actually their best big defender at points. Yeah, actually, you know what? I take everything back about the question marks for DeAndre. Not everything, but I take some of it back just for the sake of, like, he is an upgrade over Ed Davis. I don't think that can re- – you, you don't think he's an upgrade? No, I really don't. Ed Davis is probably a better player today than DeAndre Jordan. But what about all the intangible stuff? Oh, mentioned? intangible stuff, DeAndre Jordan. Right. Ed Davis would want to be... Just as a like, mix. Just Ed, as in totality. Ed Davis... Yes, fair. I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. I'll just say Ed Davis on the Nets last year was impactful every time he was in the game. Offensive rebounds, hard screener, can put the ball in the hoop when given proper opportunities. Uh, he does things that are good on the basketball court. Um, he's a more active Derek Favors who can't post up, but you don't need him to because you have other guys who can score now in Utah. Anyways, uh, good last words, Duff. Great podcast. Sports Blog New York Podcast. John Duffy. I'm Peter Kennedy. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Like, subscribe, rate, review. I don't care. Do some stuff with our podcast and tell other people you like it if you do. Thanks for listening.